the editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Tim Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio on a rainy, 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 rainy day and a rainy, rainy, rainy week and a rainy, rainy, rainy month. But through this through this weather, how better to, to do it than have a nice conversation with an old favorite TK show guest, uh, the uh, voice of the 49ers and many, many other things. It's Greg Pop. Pop, how are you doing today? I'm getting rained on, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm loving every bit of it. And I think we'd have a rain game on, on Saturday, just leaving practice. I'll tell you one thing, and I know you want to talk about Brock Purdy. Just watching him in practice today, that guy can sling the football in the rain. I was wondering. I can't believe Really impressed with how he threw the ball in the rain today. So it's those big, it's those big hands. It's a good hand, right? You need big hands was, to throw the ball in the know, rain. I was, I was asking Kyle about that. I don't think he has big hands. He's mm-hmm. six feet, five eighths of an inch. You know, John Elway had big hands and he was a big guy and he had a hard time throwing in the rain. Uh, Jimmy struggled throwing in the rain. Peyton had to go to gloves. Remember when he got out of the dome in Indy and went to Denver, he started wearing gloves. So I don't think, I don't know. We have to go back to his combine. Uh, measurement on the hands. I'm not sure there, but uh, I, I, have to say, I, I must admit, I, I think I looked and they were actually were pretty decent size. So who knows? Who knows? All right. Uh, what was Kyle saying about the weather? Um, we didn't actually talk about it because we've had so many rain practices and walkthroughs. Uh, it just seems like every Saturday walkthrough has been a heavy rain, even if it didn't rain on Sunday. But I mean, you would think that Seattle Seahawks are conditioned to play in rain living up there and their last game against the Rams was a heavy rain game too but the 49ers have been nothing but rain not just practice but the season opener in Chicago the home opener against Seattle if you remember rain sure a little bit that game uh Mexico City like literally right when the ball was kicked off to start the game it started the rain so it just seems like we've been in so many rain games and and rain practices so He's going to have his call sheet laminated. He's good to go, rain or shine. And I, I think we'll have a mutter on, on Saturday. I, 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 right, Kyle doesn't like his call sheet laminated, right? Wasn't that a story about LaFleur or one of those guys accidentally got – no, McVeigh accidentally got it laminated once years ago and Kyle got pissed at him. But Because uh, I think he likes to write on him or something like that. But Yeah, well, you know what he does? He, uh, I was just talking about his call sheet. And does he – because now that he's got Debo back with Elijah and McCaffrey and Kittle and – you know, Ayuk and, and third and Jawan. He got just uh, so many weapons. I said, does he have on his call sheet just a Christian McCaffrey section or a George Kittle section? He said, yes, he does. But the only way you can ensure a guy's going to get a ball is to turn and hand it to him. Otherwise, coverage could dictate. And he was talking about how he has all these different highlighters, blue, green, yellow, red, and he circles them. Uh, I guess the, the different color code tells him what probability that that play will result in the player that he's highlighting getting the cover getting the ball based on the coverage so yeah maybe you know if you want to laminate and then you want to highlight over the laminate because <laughs> the rain will it'll all get it'll all get rained away and it'll be bleary-eyed so i'm not sure if we see kyle's hands all weird different colors greg popper will have will have no, let I us know do with the laminate. i was just asking him about the call sheet i didn't laminate it i'd like to have my I want to have my spotting board, Lamb. That's why I was asking, because I don't have it. I got the old school manila folders. In a game like this, we'll leave the windows open, obviously. 
it'll pour in the booth and they get all soggy. So anybody out there want to laminate my spot? <laughs> let me know. Let's go to the DK podcast. Let me in touch with him. Help Greg Papa out. Help him out. We want to make sure yeah. everything's okay. Okay, let's talk about Brock Purdy. It, it, it is uh, something I'll be happy to say. You were right about Brock Purdy during training camp. I was wrong. I did not see it. Uh, you know, didn't see a ton of him, but I just did not see this thing that you got you and I think Tim Ryan were describing um, like this, you know, this instinctual quarterback who just got something. What did you see was and was I think some of it you were hearing from Kyle, right? I mean, some of it must have been like you were hearing positive things from Kyle, too. Yeah, I did Brian Greasy and obviously the whole coaching staff, but I'm watching with my eyes. Um, and really, it was hard to tell in training camp because he was the third string quarterback. You know, it was Trey Lance against the ones and. You know, Trey had some good days. He had some bad days. Nate Sudfeld was a second. And then Brock just looked good. But where it really hit me was the week of practices, the joint practices in Egan, Minnesota, Tim, against the Vikings. And in particular, uh, the last day, the second day, because I had to, the, the way the timing of it was, I had to do my radio show right up against the last uh, bit of that joint practice. And they were doing the move the ball drill. So where my broadcast location was, I, 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 I literally stood on the field right behind Brock Purdy and watched him in that move the ball period. And at that time, they switched who the second string quarterback was. It wasn't Nate Sudfeld. It was Brock. He jumped in behind Trey. And I'm standing right behind him on the field, maybe 15 yards. Mike Shanahan's right to my side. And um, they got some big guys in, in Minnesota. Daniel Hunter, obviously, Zadarius Smith. They got big guys. And I'm watching Brock just manipulate the pocket. Uh, he's six feet, five-eighths of an inch tall. He may have big hands, but he's not a big guy as far as stature to see over the top. And I can't see anything. And But I'm watching him just manipulate the pocket where he would just slide a little bit. And I could see the window he was creating by his movement and uh and then he would just rip the ball so what i saw was an incredibly decisive quarterback who was incredibly accurate and this was after his first preseason game and against the packers he came in at the end and if you remember he had a a, a roll right kind of like a sprint right option like you know joe to dwight uh, i'm not going to go there but the, the action reminded me of that and then he had tanner hudson if you recall the touchdown against the Packers, that first preseason game, right in the right high line. And then he had total command to come back for the two, the two point conversion. And he went to his left now and he had Keyshawn Johnson, uh, not throw me the damn ball guy, but a former Arizona Cardinal who was in camp then. And his ball placement on that was exceptional. And they got the two point conversion, but now they have the lead. And this is where it hit me was the way he had total command of everything. This is his first game action as a pro. And I don't care if it's preseason or not. It's not to him. It's the Super Bowl. Um, the way he managed the clock, the 49ers had the lead. It's a preseason game. But you still want to win the game. And he would routinely take the clock down. Five, four, three. Wow. This guy got it all. He doesn't have size. He doesn't have a rocket arm. But he's got whatever, whatever it is. And I became so enamored with him after the Packer game that I had Dan Minucci on my radio show that week. And I was talking to Dan because 
you know, Dan's from Buffalo. He played with the Bills where I grew up, and I watched him as a backup quarterback to Joe Ferguson. And uh, he was the guy I'd read uh, right around that time that he had started to work with Brock when he was in the ninth grade. So I had him on my radio show, and, and all these things I'm spewing about him, and, and, and Dan's saying, he was like this in the ninth grade, Greg. He's just, you know, his father was a professional baseball player, Sean Birdie Purdy, in the Giant system. Uh, got to double A with Rich Aurelia and Sean Estes. And uh, he just had it. He just had it. So I became extremely enamored with him. And then that that uh, that preseason game against the Vikings, he had good moments and bad. T.Y. McGill actually jumped off sides, you recall, and he fumbled the ball on the goal line. Uh, but I just, you just saw it right away that he was he was decisive and he was extremely accurate with the ball he overcame his size and he had total command and he just looked like a guy that made 47 start, starts in college now all that being said tim i had no idea to play this well in the games we're talking you know and then when he was a scout team quarterback you know when when trey got hurt and jimmy's the starter now he's the scout team and he's figuring out a way to make plays in practice against this Dick Bosa pass rush, which is all up in his lap. And he's finding a way to get out. Now I'm thinking, you know, two-thirds of these plays, he sacked on this play. Bosa had sack him. But then when he got into the games, and he's not fast, he runs a 4 but your guy David Lombardi gave me the numbers on his 10-yard split, yeah. yep. which is 1.55 which is 95th percentile of quarterbacks. Yep. So that's where you don't need a guy to run 40 yards unless you throw a pick and you're trying to run down a pick six. You know, it's that short area change of direction ability to make guys miss. Now, in the Arizona game, you're not going to outrun Isaiah Simmons. I, got, I get that. But so many times he avoided uh, unblocked defenders. You know, Matt, Max Crosby in Las Vegas. Uh, did it over and over again. Montez Sweat against Washington. He did it over and over again. So, you know, I, I saw qualities in him, but then he's got to go play, Tim. And then, you know, obviously, uh, since he's gotten in the games, he's played exceedingly well. In the back of your mind, as you're watching him in the preseason or in, in that Vikings joint practice, are you thinking he's doing stuff better than Trey? And not the, you know, Trey Lance got hurt. We don't know. But were you thinking he's doing, he's, Things are processing in his mind better than with Trey Lance. Well, I, no, I thought Trey processed it fine. I think the accuracy, he was more accurate. But he's not going against Trey Lance had to practice in training camp against the number one defense in football. And it was hard to complete a pass. And now the, you watch these guys in the games, with the exception of a couple of games, you know, Patrick Mahomes, they've suffocated almost every quarterback they've played against. Jared Stidham had a good game against them in, in Vegas on New Year's Day. So I, but you know, I, I wasn't comparing, I wasn't comparing them. Um, I was more just this guy can play. And I, even going back then, I thought if Brock Purdy has to play, this team could win because you got a great team around him. He didn't have McCaffrey yet, but you had a, a great running game. You had the suffocating defense. You had all these weapons getting Purdy, obviously, and Jimmy, obviously it helped Jimmy immeasurably and I, I think if Jimmy didn't get hurt you know Jimmy could be doing a lot of the same things that that Brock is doing and I think Jimmy's going to make himself available uh to be available mm -hmm. uh you know come later in the playoffs he's working hard but I, I yeah you didn't know you didn't know he's small you know I've seen guys in on the practice field look good and then they don't you know they don't they don't play well in games and then conversely I've seen guys in practice look awful 
like Terrell Pryor with the Raiders. He was brutal. And then he was a gamer. Just when the games came in, and he didn't have a quarterback skill set, but he could run around and make plays. And, uh, you know, with this guy, I thought, you know, was it all great rehearsal, no great show? But he's been even better. You know, the, 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 the first game against Miami, he had, you know, he, he, he was wide a couple of throws right away. A couple of, you know, mainly to the sidelines, if you recall. And I thought, just calm down. You know, he looks a little lamped up here. And then he got a, a third down defensive pass interference call. He had used check and he got in the end zone. And then he wound up getting to the 30s that game. So he just found a way. I think once he settled in, it didn't take him very long. But I wasn't comparing him necessarily to Trey or, or Nate Sudfeld or even Jimmy. I was just looking that this guy is an NFL quarterback. And if he does have to play with this team being as strong as as they are, I think they can win. Now, he's got to go play. And this is hard. You know, he's not in the Big 12 anymore. He's in the NFL. So, but he's, he's uh, obviously, he's just so well prepared. And the guy studies his butt off. And he's a quality young man in every regard. And um, it's just been a great start. But now, you know, the next thing is to go win playoff games. You can say this is crazy, but I just threw out the comp in, in a column today. Russell Wilson's early career. Great defense. Beats out Matt Flynn as a rookie with third round pick. Lot long college career, you know, certainly not a big, big physical, you know, God as a quarterback. And but with movement and smarts and just you know a lot of different things in the super wins the job, playoffs the first year, wins the Super Bowl the second season, you know. So yeah. Do you see any of that com- comparable with Purdy? I, I mentioned this with Trey, um, just the the, 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 the ready made product where the what Seattle did and remember, they tried Matt Flynn and all yep. that. It yep. didn't work out. Um, but the, the last piece, because they had the running game, they had that Legion of Boom, they were so fast. Um, the last piece there was the quarterback. Most teams bring the quarterback in as an early piece, and they get the brains beat in because the team around them isn't very good. Roethlisberger, obviously, in, in Pittsburgh. But he was, a, he was a high pick. He was a high one. Um, and Russell played in two different programs, North Carolina State, Wisconsin, different offenses, four-year starter. I, I get all that. You're right. But I, I would say I would say Brock is better. Uh, Brock, Brock, Russell had to figure out how to win from the pocket. I think those early years, um, you know, we compared him to Kaepernick a lot back then. And um, I, I, didn't, I was not a big believer in Russell early in his career. I thought um, his main thing was to get out of the pocket and make a play with his leg or you know, break contain and then get into a scramble drill. Later in his career, he got really good in the pocket. Uh, but I think I think right away, Brock's, he's better in the pocket. But what I would say about Brock, he's got both. That's what makes him so exciting, Tim, is he's so good in the scripted Kyle Shanahan called plays, the grease board plays, where it's got to get out on time and he's got to find the right, you know, right read and make the play and the Oscars and the kills and um, all that that they do, the change at the line of scrimmage, he's done it so many times. When it's blocked well, he's been able to execute those plays on time. But what I'm talking about with the unblocked defenders, when you got to roll into a weak side defender on the keep, the boot game, and you got a, you know, Montez Sweat has got a seven inch wingspan right in your face, and he just, you know, just throws right around him, right to Brandon Ayuk, first play of the game. It's like, wow, how did he do that? So he he's able to do both, where He's equally good in the pocket with Kyle's drifted plays, 
And then when he's got to get out, just be spontaneous and, and beat you, you know, making a play out of the pocket. Like he did in Seattle on the third and four run. You know, when he had the rib injury and the oblique and he had to put the ball in his left hand. Are you, any concerns with the way the defense has kind of gotten hit here and again? You know, obviously the Chiefs game was a long time ago, but they got, you know, they got run by the Chiefs. There's been, there have been a few other, we know statistically they're number one. Um, do you have any like things that you're sort of like, okay, there's some things here that they got to tighten up. Yeah. They, uh, even after the Kansas city game and they went, uh, now there's winning streaks up to 10, but I look at the first seven and they gave up 77 points. So, and, you know, they had games where they didn't allow any points for four straight second halves, but they would, they would every now and then bust and they would just bust. And it started the first game of the year in Chicago. Why did they lose that game? They busted One a couple time. of different times. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Dante you know, Pettis. Dante Pettis. Right. Well, the St. Brown one. They busted on that one. And then you wind up losing a game. And they've had a few of those here and there where I think they're just they're varying their coverages so much as opposed to Robert Sala's days. Um, and whenever you're playing, you know, one, two, three, four, and you're going through it, occasionally you just you're not tight. And you, and you bust. And Talanoa's, you know, been a guy they picked on that way. Um, he's got great instincts, obviously, but sometimes uh, they, they, they lead him to a spot they, they want him to go, and they go behind him, like the touchdown to Darren Waller in, in Las Vegas on the third and two, where they showed that heavy formation and double tights and extra linemen, and he read run, and you can't let Darren Waller get behind you. He runs a 4-4, and he's 6-6, one step, and it's over. So that, and... Um, Diamador Lenore, they're going to pick on Diamador Lenore. Charverius Ward is just, he's all that. He's a great player. In this game, you know, the 49ers have shown that Charverius will follow DK Metcalf around. So if they just put Tyler Lockett on the other side, they can get a matchup with, with Demo. Now, I think Diamador Lenore covers that kind of player better. Like he, he had a hard time with A.J. Green on the jump ball last game at the catch point. But he covered Hollywood Brown. Uh, a smaller, faster receiver really well on a, on a goal ball uh, later in the game. But Tyler Lockett is slippery. He's a great route runner. He's a great player. So, you know, it, it busting, specifically D'Amador Lenore, and then the, the, the interior defensive line. Uh, you know, you look at the Washington second touchdown, and they just ran him right down to the goal line and then ran right over him. And they picked on Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw I don't know if it's because of his knees or if he's just a, a big man. It's hard for him to get low. And DeForest Buckner had that issue. He'd play a little bit too high, and they double-team him and, and root him out of there. Uh, Kinlaw is getting pushed around a little bit too much, um, and they see that. And Pete Carroll knows what he's doing. And they got Damian Lewis at the left guard, and they've got you know the veteran Rodney Hudson on the other side, or, uh, or Gabe Jackson, I should say, at the other side. Uh, so they – uh, you know, those are areas. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Kevin Gibbons is back. And uh, you can obviously carry Hyder Jr., the former Seahawk. Uh, you've got other players you can move in there, Eric Armstead. So I would say the areas of concern on defense are busting, them attacking D'Amador Lenore, and they got to be stouter in the middle with the D-tackle play. Yeah, we obviously saw – and I think one of the first times that they traveled to various ward was DK Metcalf, where we saw him moving side to side wherever Metcalf was. For a second, I thought it might be Lockett, because, you know, Lockett's hurt the 49ers a lot. Uh, but it was DK Metcalf. I mean, clearly the physical stud. 
uh, we've asked D'Amico about this, and, and we, we figure it's going to happen clearly on Saturday. But do you have any idea what the Fortnite's principles on that? Like, I don't think he was doing it with Devontae Adams. Like, where they do that and when they don't do that, Pop? Yeah, I know you talk to the coaches. Is there any yeah. sense of when, why they choose and, and or choose not to do that? Well, I, I think they started doing it when Emmanuel Mosley went out mm-hmm. and tore his ACL in Carolina. And they actually did it. The first time they did it was in Atlanta mm. against Drake London, the, the rookie from USC. And um, what happened was Charverius Mooney Man got hurt. Okay. If you remember, he beat a groin injury right before halftime. And they went, They as soon as he left the game, they went right at him. Um, you know, whether it was, I think Sam Womack came in or, or Timo, uh, and they ran right at him. So he did it that game. He did it in Mexico City against DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. And it was a battle. Yep. And uh, so he did it. And then he did it with DK on that Thursday night. And it was, that was a street fight. And uh, so it's more the taller, angular, Charverius. You know, when I saw him play in Kansas City, Tim, I thought he was huge. Mm-hmm. I thought he was so tall. First time I saw him in training camp, I'm like, you're not as tall as I thought you were. I thought you were like Richard Sherman, Akella Witherspoon, you know, that kind of like Tariq Woolen. He's tall, but he's not 6'4". But he's got long arms and he's got, you know, uh, because he's not as long legged, he's long legged, but he still has short area quickness. So it's kind of perfect. You know, it's like a dream on green yep. where he's not that tall, but he has these long arms. So he guards bigger. So he sold the guy you want him on are Drake London, DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf, big, big receivers. What blew me away, he did a good job against Terry McLaurin when he did it with him. And I remember talking to him before the game, and I thought, I said, McLaurin's the best receiver you faced as far as running routes. D-Hop is not a good route runner. DK Metcalf's not a good route runner. Drake London's not a good route runner. This guy's a great route runner. And he did a really good job against McLaurin. He didn't do it against Olave. Um, I think um, with Devontae, I thought they were going to do it more in-game, and then they, they backed away from it. So the one area they he will follow, or he's what he's done with Metcalf and these other guys, Hopkins, he will follow them side to side. Like with DeAndre Hopkins in Mexico City, he didn't follow him because he, the, the 49ers knew DeAndre Hopkins lines up like 90% of the time on the left side. Yep. So they simply moved Charverius to right cornerback. They flipped he and Demo, where he was on the offensive left, the defensive right. And then, but against uh, Metcalf, he followed him. The one area he's not shown that he will do, they haven't asked him to do, is to put him in the slot. So opponents know. I think that's where you get a Devontae Adams. You just move Devontae in the slot, and he's so good. DK Metcalf's not as great in the slot. He's more of a three-by-one guy, a featured guy. So I'll be anxious to see Sanjay Lal's a friend of mine. He was with the Raiders. He's their – passing game coordinator and wide receiver coach. He, the 49ers have obviously shown him that Charverius will follow DK. So do you? how do you get him off of him? Do they want to get him off of him? Um, do they want to feature the other side more and, and Demo Lenore against Lockett? If they move Metcalf in the slot, then Ward has not gone there. And the 49ers basically zone that anyway, which is the reason they don't do it. So um, I, I think I'll follow him in this game, but Look and see if it, you know if they put Metcalf in a slot position. If Ward goes inside, that's the one way to get Ward off him. 
Yep. Hey, Pop can talk to you forever. I do have a limited uh, little Zoom time and I delayed this is my fault. I delayed the call because I had another call ahead of it. So uh, just to make sure we wrap this and don't get cut off automatically by Zoom, I will end this with a version of the question I've asked all my guests, including Greg Papa many times. Pop, what's your favorite restaurant right now? Well, it's the, the one that I went to the latest that had the best meal. And I think I told you about Hazy and the Hayes Valley mm-hmm. the last time I was on. And I'm going Hayes Valley again. There's a sushi place. You like sushi? I do. I like good sushi. I like really good sushi. Yep. This, is, this is probably the best sushi sushi I've ever had. And it's pricey. Uh, so you don't want to bring Rado there. No. So Robin in the Hayes Valley. Um, and then after a couple of sakis, Tim, uh, whether the sushi's good or not, don't matter. <laughs> But uh, no, I, I, I think it was the best sushi I've ever had. In the Bay Area, you get great sushi everywhere. But Robin in the Hayes Valley, if you want killer sushi and have a little sake to go with it. Very nice. Very nice. Of course, the, the great sushi place that we go to, Nick Wagner's spot at ESPN, is in Seattle, Sushi Kashiba. Went there this time, nice. this trip. Oh, incredible. Incredible. Nice. Yeah. He was on the radio with us that day, and I think he was either going there or coming from there. Okay, and yeah. Was, I was there with him. It was fantastic, yeah. yeah. I think he mentioned you were going. Yeah. So is that the battle of the sushi? Which which city has the best sushi? Well, we just, yeah, I mean, I love L.A. sushi. You know, I spent time in L.A., so I don't know that many. I mean, I've heard about Junie in San Francisco. I've got to, I've got to go there for some reason. Right. I've never gone, but uh, I, I – Robin in the Hayes Valley. Yeah, I will do that. I will do that. Well, listen, we're about to get cut off by Zoom. Pop, I appreciate uh, the conversation. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, brother. He's a Brock star. Remember, T, he's a Brock star. All right, right, Pop, thanks so much. That's the show for today. Thanks, brother.